Pastor Benit shared the story about a nugget of gold in a bucket of mud. And he said, you know, a lot of people would say, man, how could you exist in a bucket of mud? Why would a piece of gold exist in a bucket of mud? And he says, that's, that's basically the context of Haiti, just the poverty. Not only physical poverty, spiritual poverty and, and, and brokenness. But Benit said, I don't want people to identify with the mud. I want them to identify with the gold of who we are in Christ Jesus. So this morning, I want to talk about our golden nature in Christ. Because, you see, there's two consciences that are going to dominate our, our lifestyle as a Christian. We're either going to be sin conscious, where we're always afraid of failure, where we're always afraid of messing up and disappointing God. That's sin conscience. When I was uh, riding motorcycles, I took a motorcycle training class. And the instructor said, you know, if you're going around a curve, always look up to the road. Always look at the end of the road. Don't look down at the curve. Because if you look down, your body's going to naturally go down and you'll fall. He said, always look up. And see, that's what a lot of Christians do. Instead of looking up, they look down. They're always afraid of their own nature. They're afraid of their own self from stumbling and falling. And so their walk becomes about not falling. That's not victory in Jesus, Pastor Dave. It's not victory in Jesus to constantly keep worrying about, man, am I going to disappoint God today? Am I going to hurt God today? Miss Eileen, let me give you a word. God's not punishing you because Romans 8 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God is blessing you right now. You see, through the trial, blessing comes to Christians. Through tribulation, closeness with God comes. Those are, tribulations are not punishments, my friend. When Apostle Paul was thrown into prison, he wasn't being punished for the faith. He was being blessed for the faith. He says, through all things I can do it all through Christ who strengthens me. I know what it is to lack and to abound, but Jesus is worthy through it all. So, you know, one, we can have a, a sin conscience. The second option is that we have a Christ conscience. And we don't identify with the mud, but instead we identify with the gold and who Christ has made us. What I want to do this morning is talk about having a Christ conscience. A conscience that's cleansed by Christ. And before we establish that Christ was able to cleanse our conscience, we must see why the law was not able to cleanse our conscience. I want us to open to Hebrews chapter 9, if you would. Hebrews chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible, should be one in the pew in front of you. Hebrews chapter 9, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. Pick up with me once you get there. And here's what we're talking about. We're talking about the differences between the first covenant and the new covenant. Or the old covenant and the now covenant. What's the difference? Well, he explains the difference, Hebrews chapter 9. Then indeed, the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and the earthly Sanctuary For a tabernacle was prepared, the first part in which was the lampstand, the table, and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the most holy, or the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant, overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and their tab tablets of the covenant. That's the Ten Commandments. And above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. 
Now these things, when had thus been prepared, the priests always went to the first part of the tabernacle, performing their services. But into the second part, the high priest went only once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. And understand, the first tabernacle was standing under the rulership of the law. That was my insert, picking up at verse 9. It was symbolic for the present time, in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to conscience. Let me pause right there and read it again. Under the law, the gifts and sacrifices offered cannot make who performed those things perfect in regard to conscience. Because these were concerned with food, drinks, washings, and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of the Reformation. Verse 11, But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood He entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, that's the Old Testament, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience, somebody say conscience, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the internal inheritance. Man, I know that was a lot of words. I know that was a lot of stuff going on. We're going to break it down in a minute. Here's what Paul's contrasting. He says, under the law, the conscience of the worshiper was not able to be cleansed. Under the law, the conscience of the worshiper was not able to be perfected. We're going to examine that. But under the new covenant... The conscience was able to be cleansed, was able to be perfected. We're able to have a perfect Christ conscience under the work of Christ. That's what we're going to establish today. Let's do that with point number one. Point number one is this. The law was an imperfect system. The old covenant law was a system that could not bring about righteousness. It could not bring about perfect peace with God. It could not bring about a cleansed conscience. Well, if that's the case, why was it in place? That's a good question. You see, as long as the law was in effect, as long as it was the ruling force for God's people, only one man, once a year, was able to enter into the most holy place. And only with the blood of an animal. Look at verse 8. It says, The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed, as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. What was the height of the law? What was the height of the Jewish calendar? It was called the Day of Atonement. When the main high priest would enter into the room called the Holies of Holy, the Most Holy. Now let me break this down for you. Here's what the temple was like. If that's the entrance of the temple in the Old Testament, you came in the main room, and in the main room was where all the priests did their work all year long. You had the table of showbread. You had the lampstands. You had the beautiful cladded uh, uh, surfaces cladded with gold. This was called the holy place. 
And then once a year, there was one priest who on the Day of Atonement, imagine there was a big curtain separating right here, separating the whole stage. Inside that curtain was the Ark of the Covenant. What did the Ark of the Covenant contain? It contained the pot of manna, which manna was given because the people complained. It contained Aaron's rod. Aaron's rod budded as a miracle because the people grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And it contained the tablets of the law. All these things are a sign of Israel's rebellion. It contained three symbols of Israel's rebellion. And once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would enter into the Holy of Holies. So you had the holy place and the Holy of Holies. Only one man would enter in with the blood of an animal. And he would sprinkle it on top of the Ark of the Covenant. That's called the mercy seat. Now the Old Testament says that the Spirit of God dwelled above the Ark of the Covenant. So watch this. When the Spirit of God looked down... He would not see their rebellion. He would not even see his law. He would see the blood of sacrifice. Why did they keep it closed? Why was the ark of the, uh, the, the, the tablets of the law not on display for all of Israel to see? It wasn't about what Israel saw. It was about what the Spirit of God saw. And when the Spirit of God looked down, he did not see any of the signs of their rebellion or their wickedness. He saw the blood. Now that's pretty cool. The only problem is it had to be repeated every year. Every year. Every year. They had to come back into atonement with God. It was an imperfect atonement. God was showing man two things through the law and through the atonement and through the ark of the government. He was showing man the weight of God's holiness and the weight of man's sinfulness. Why could only one person... Go into the presence of God once a year because God was so holy he cannot exist with sin. God was so holy he cannot relate with sinfulness. You see, under the old covenant, you were not made righteous. If you were, then everyone could go into the presence of God. But only the most holy man in all Israel who had already atoned for his sins and atoned for the people's sin could enter into the presence of God. But he was also showing the weight of man's sinfulness. Man would never earn access to God by keeping the law. Man would never earn access to God by obeying the old covenant. It was never intended to. It won't be intended to now. Following the law is not going to bring right standing with God. The purpose of the law is to show us we can't earn salvation. Not that we can. God had not yet given a full revelation of himself. Some people ask, well, if the old covenant was imperfect, why was it in effect for so long? This is related to something we call in theology as progressive revelation. You see, when you read the book of Genesis, you don't get all of God's nature at once. You get little glimpses of God's nature. You see God in creation. You see God in the flood. You see God in the temple. You see God at Jericho. You see God at Moriah. You see God at Sinai. You see these little glimpses of God. But when you get to Calvary, you see all of His nature. 
When you get to Calvary, God pulls back the veil and He says, this is it. He steps out and He looks like Jesus Christ. And He said, what I want humanity to know about me is ultimately spread through Christ. Not through the law, not through Sinai, but through Calvary. That's my full nature. Mercy and justice and righteousness. Somebody needs to shout today, my goodness, my goodness. You see, the whole point of the Bible, the whole point of of Jesus, the whole point of law and the cross was that man could see the progressive revelation of God's character. And in order for man to see his depth of sinfulness, the law had to be in existence as rulership until the time of Christ. But now the law is not in rule. Now it's Christ who's in rule. The law has served its purpose, not only with Israel and the whole world, but in our life. Because, as Paul said, through the law I see the knowledge of sin. And once the law springs up, I died. And once I died, I saw my need for Christ. But once Christ came, I was resurrected with Him, and now I can live according to the law of the Spirit. His mercy is not separate from His justice, because at the cross we see the justice and mercy fully being poured out on Christ. The law was an imperfect system. Secondly, the law provided an imperfect atonement. Verse 9 says this. This is an illustration for the present time. Indicating that the gifts and sacrifice being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. Why was it not able to clear the conscience? Because it wasn't that their sin was removed. It was simply covered. You see, the law was still there. Their rebellion was still there. The the pot of manna was still there. Aaron's rod was still there because they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. They had grumbled against God and He gave them the manna. And the tablets were still there. Their sin was not removed. It was simply covered until next year. And they knew not that I'm made righteous, but that God simply sees the blood. But under the new covenant, it's different. See, back then the priests had to enter every year. And the purpose was even for the sins they had committed in ignorance. Here was their thought process for atonement. Even the sins I don't know I have committed must be forgiven. Even the sins I didn't know I've done. And because it was an imperfect system, they went back year after year, and they had to be forgiven year after year, even for the sins that they didn't know they had committed. And it was not able to cleanse the conscience. What did they have? They had a conscience of their sinfulness. They had a a conscience of... Of the law, they had the conscience of their inability for works. It was a matter of external regulations. Everything about the law was external. What you ate, what you drank, how you dressed, how you looked, how you acted. This is why Jesus said the Pharisees could keep the whole law and look great on the outside. But inside they were whitewashed tombs. Inside they were dead and full of corpses and spiders. They looked great on the outside because they could go wash their hands. They could sacrifice the animals. They could keep the whole law and still be filthy. Still be apart from God. I want you to know this. Apostle Paul boasted in the law. He says, I kept the law more than anyone and I was a hater of Jesus Christ. But the whole Old Testament pointed to Christ. How could Paul follow the law and miss Christ? Because he missed the whole point of the law. He thought that through the law he was righteous with God. But he didn't realize that through the law was showing him his need for Jesus Christ the whole time. On the inside, they were filthy because the law did not remove their sin. It simply, the atonement did not remove their sin. It simply kept God from seeing it. You ever played peekaboo with a little kid? 
You know, I put my hands in front of Roman's face and I move them. And it's like he thought I disappeared for five seconds. You know, for a little kid, they can't see you. It's like, there you are again. How do you do that? Right? All God was doing through the atonement was simply covering his eyes for the next year so he wouldn't see their rebellion. The blood covered his eyes so that he did not see their transgressions. He only saw the blood. It still did not cleanse their conscience. As verse 10 says in your Bibles, it was only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings until the time of the new order. Look in your Bibles. That's so good. I need to read it again. Verse 10 says this. The old covenant was concerned with foods and drinks, various washings, until the time, my Bible says, Reformation. Your translation may say, until the time of the new order. That means a new dominating force. That previously the law was the dominating force, but after Christ there would be a new dominating force. There would actually be a reformation. And some people don't even see the reformation. They don't even see the new order because they're still bound up by the old covenant. Point number three. Through Christ, there is perfect forgiveness In the Old Covenant, there was not perfect forgiveness. It had to be done year after year after year. I want you to know some people. There's people that think if they don't come to the altar on Sunday and say, God, forgive me for the sins I committed last week, that they're not walking in forgiveness. There's some some branches of Christianity where if I don't go, and if I don't go and I get my, my, my heart cleansed from sin, then I'm not walking in the revelation of Christ. See, the problem is Pastor Robert is not the one who makes me clean. The only one that makes me clean is Jesus Christ. And he, as far as I know, he died one time. 2,000 years ago. Once and for all. He doesn't die over and over again. Every week I come to the altar, Christ doesn't die again. He died one time. Either I'm forgiven or I'm not. And if I'm not, then God's constantly in and out of forgiveness. Well, I forgive you this week, but if you mess up again, I'm not going to forgive you. If you mess up tomorrow, I'm going to be mad at you. That's the law. That's the old covenant. The old covenant says every year you got to come back into right relationship with God. And some people are walking under such bondage because their conscience is held under guilt and condemnation under the old covenant. Well, God's angry at me for what I did last week. If that was the case, evidently he's not looking through the blood of Jesus and evidently the blood of Jesus got wiped away somehow. But as far as I know, it says that Christ ascended to the right hand of the God and intercedes with the Father night and day on behalf of the saints. It's no longer a yearly blood. It's an eternal blood. It says He ascended into the heavenlies, the ultimate uh, uh, temple of God, and exists in the presence of God. Verse 14 says, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself to unblemished to God, will cleanse our conscience from acts that leads to death? So that we may serve the living God. Here's what we need to know. We need to know that your sin is fully gone. It's fully removed. It's fully cleansed. That God no longer deals with me as a sinner. God deals with me as a saint. And my friend, you don't have to wait till, till death. And, and if you performed a, few, performed a few miracles to be sainted, you're a saint right now. A saint of the living God. Saint means sanctified, set apart, cleansed for the purposes of God. Let me tell you, 
For most of my life, I existed in a legalistic system. I came to the altar every Sunday, say, God, forgive me for what I've been struggling with. God, forgive me for the way I've been living. Every Sunday I was at the altar. I was judgmental in the way I looked to people. I was judgmental in the way I looked at myself. I was looking at myself through the mirror of the law, and I was still putting myself under condemnation that Christ died to liberate me from. And the the turning point in my life came when I realized that through Christ there is complete forgiveness. Past, present, and future sins are completely washed away. So what that means is we're either going to live by a sin conscience or a Christ conscience. Either today I'm going to be afraid of messing up and I'm not going to glorify God through victory. Or I can say, you know what? Christ has set me free from that which kept me in bondage. I'm liberated from sin. I can live for Jesus today. I'm not going to live with the mud. I'm going to live with the gold. I'm going to live with righteousness. But if we're Christ conscious, we'll run with God. We'll jump with God. What does it mean when we say perfect forgiveness? Psalm 103.12 As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. I'm going to tell you what. Go get you a compass at Bass Pro Shops. Set out walking east and see if you ever find west. Matter of fact, start walking west first. Because if you walk east, you're going to get in the Atlantic Ocean. Start walking west. You're going to go through Tennessee. You can go through all them states that no one goes through. And eventually you're going to end up in California and see if the compass says east yet. No, I'm still going to say west. And if you can walk on water like Jesus, you can walk all across Hawaii. You can walk across the Philippines, Japan, and China. It's still going to say west. You're never going to find it. You know what that means? You'll never find your sin. It is Gone. Gone. Matter of fact, God says He forgot it. Hebrews 12 says, I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. I will not remember them sins. So do you know what happens? Every time we come to God, if we're a Christian, we ask Him to forgive us. We're reminding Him of something He's already forgotten about. Enoch, man, two years ago, I really snapped at you, man. You came into church. I was working on something on the soundboard, and you know, I just snapped at you, man. Will you forgive me about that? You are forgiven, Pastor. Do you even remember that? No, I didn't. You see, I've just reminded him of something he has no knowledge about. <laughs> I'm asking forgiveness of something that's already gone. Now, that's a made-up story. It probably happened at some point. <laughs> but we're reminding God of something that he has wiped away. Write this down. Stop reminding God of something he's already forgotten about. My last point, through Christ, there is perfect atonement. Atonement, verse 15 says, For this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant. The new covenant is what's in charge, that those who are called may receive the promised internal, uh, eternal inheritance, that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Under the old covenant, which was the law, no one was set free from sin. No one was liberated to serve God. Everyone was held in bondage until the time of Christ. They were held under sin. So that Christ could liberate them from it. And as it says in verse 15, we're under a new covenant and we're set free under the new covenant. Under the old covenant, sin sin was simply covered by the blood. And it had to be done every year, every year. The priest had to go to the altar every single year in the most holy place to receive forgiveness. This is why Hebrews says it was an incomplete system waiting till the new order. 
the new covenant which could come into rule. But through Christ, sin is not just covered up, it is gone. It is gone once and for all. It is gone. Jesus don't have to come back and die next year. Jesus don't come back to the altar next Sunday when you're ready to get right with God again. You're right with God through His work already done. Do you see that when the blood was placed on the tabernacle and the Spirit of God hovered above the tabernacle that God saw the blood and not their sin? That was good, but the sin was still there. It was still in the covenant. But under the new covenant, sin is paid for this year. Sin is paid for next year. Sin is paid for in 2017 if God lets us live to be 95. Sin is paid for. And let me tell you something, that does not motivate us to live a sinful lifestyle. As Paul said, Meganoito, may it never be so. By no means we live according to grace. We live according to the Spirit. Once Christ ascended into heaven, Scripture says He was seated at the right hand of the Father. And do you know what the right hand means? He was seated at the right hand of God. The right hand means action. If I swing a hammer, I'm swinging it with my right hand. If I pop somebody in the face, it's probably going to be a little, little rebuking action going on. I don't do that. Except on Roman's bottom, if he bites me. The right hand means the hand of action. And here's what it means that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God. It means that God's action now towards those who believe are in accordance with the blood of Christ and not wrath and judgment. He's seated at the right hand of God because Jesus is His right hand of action that determines how He operates with us. He does not operate with us under the old covenant. He does not operate with us under wrath. People say there's judgment coming to America. I mean, yeah, understand. But listen, God judged our sin 2,000 years ago in Israel. Uh, there, will be, there will be wrath. But it's not because God is angry at the Christians. He's angry at sinfulness. It's not just going to be America. It'll be the whole world. But praise God, for us, we've been liberated from it. The law was imperfect, but Christ is perfect. Here's what I hope you walk away from this knowing. I hope you walk away from this knowing that through Christ, you are completely forgiven. All sin has been removed. That Christ, that that God does not see sinfulness. Matter of fact, He's forgotten about it. And that's not something we come into every year or every week or wait for every revival to get right with God. Christ is our revival. Christ is our Sabbath. I don't wait for Sunday to come get right with God. Praise God, I'm going to get right with Him tomorrow morning. Tuesday morning. I'm gonna, I, I am right with Him, and I'm going to enjoy it. And that right standing will motivate me to be righteous. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, I pray in Jesus' name, if there's someone here this morning, God, that this message has really just gripped their heart, Lord, they've just wrestled with it because the flesh wants to wrestle with our ability to be be good, our ability to keep the law. God, I pray that you would break through that veil of, of pride. Break through that veil of pride and see that it's not about us, God. It's about you. It's about Christ. It's about Calvary and the high priest who did once and for all what we could never do made us righteous through faith. And God, that motivates us to a lifestyle that brings glory to you. 
Father, I pray if there's someone under the sound of my voice that has never trusted in you as the Lord and Savior, they've never seen the gospel, Lord, as fully perfect forgiveness, fully perfect atonement, maybe this morning they'll say, Pastor, I'm ready to come walk in that knowledge of Jesus as my Savior, to be made a new creature, to be transformed by the power of the gospel. Bring them forward today. Lord, if there's a family or an individual ready to join this fellowship, God, bring them forward today. We ask these things in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen.